Welcome back to our listeners. This is Boom Goddess Radio with B.B. Peters, Jennifer Davis-Page, and myself, Andrea Goldmarks. We're here with Christy Moore, Dr. Christy Moore, an audiologist with two fabulous guests, Marla and Barbara. And we're here to talk about everything audiology. And um, so we've begun that process. Tell us, Dr. Christy Moore, how is it that that COVID has reshaped the way you practice or the practice of audiology, a la Dr. Christy Moore. Great, thanks. Um, yeah, so the last time that I was a guest on your wonderful program was in January and 2020 was looking really exciting. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of great ambitious goals for my practice and, and things that I was going to do. Um, to help my patients hear better. And then in March, um, you know, COVID-19 really hit the U.S. at that point. And we went into, you know, a bit of a shutdown, um, that type of thing. And so I had, I was faced with um, having to shut my practice down in uh, April. And because we had a stay-at-home order here in Arizona, and even though audiology and healthcare were considered essential businesses to stay open, Um, I made the decision um, based on CDC recommendations, based on the recommendations of our um, national organizations for audiology and the fact that we were serving the patient population that we were, which tended to be um, older adults who were more susceptible to contracting this disease. um, And we just didn't know what we were facing at that point. So we decided to go ahead and shut our practice down and kind of waited out for for a month. And so we were shut down for a month to having anybody come in to our practice. We were still um, allowing um, emergencies. So if we had somebody that had, you know, broken hearing aid or had an ear emergency or something that that we felt couldn't wait, then um, myself and my staff, we were all working from home. We would have pretty much daily meetings with each other on Zoom, just like we're doing right now, <laughs> and go over things. And we worked on a lot of projects that way. Um, but we would take turns coming in and taking care of, of patient needs. Um, we had phones forwarded to our to ourselves, email, that type of thing. So we were doing the best we can, we could, with the information that that was available to us. And during that time, we made plans to reopen again, um, starting in May. And that meant that we had to get all the proper um, protective equipment. So we had to make sure we had gloves and we had masks and we had face shields and we had plenty of disinfectant. And of course, as as everyone was experiencing, you know, we had no toilet paper and paper towels. It was all being hoarded, (laughs) including wipes and cleaning agents and all those types of things. So in May, we were able to acquire enough of those items that I felt that we could open safely. And with the guidance of CDC and our national organizations, um, we reopened um, start of May, limited hours. Um, at that point, you know, we had been shut down for a month. Um, financially, that was very scary, as you can imagine. Um, so I was able to um, get some of the um, PPP loan money, which helped ride us through, um, especially when we reopened in May and we didn't know if we were going to have patients come or not. Uh, but we did. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for that. And um, so we started new protocols where, you know, we said, okay, you know, we can only see so many patients in a day right now. And we can't, um, you know, have people coming in and waiting in our waiting room. And if you've been to any healthcare office here in town, you know exactly what that is. So 
we made a lot of protocol changes where we said, okay, everyone has to have an appointment and, you know, only one companion with a, with a patient and only a certain number of hearing tests a day. And, you know, we had to keep our doors locked because the signs weren't working for us to, um, you know, to tell people you need to call before you come in. Um, but now we're, we've got it down. Um, here we are six months later, I guess you might say, and um, we've got a wonderful protocol down where um, we're doing the best we can. We wear our equipment. When you come in, we have our masks and our face shields on and we use gloves. We're sanitizing, wiping everything down. We make sure that we only have uh, limited people in the building at a time. We're able to bring people into isolated rooms and do that. We're trying to make it as safe of an experience, and yet we know that hearing is so essential. And tinnitus has also, you know, been something that a lot of people have been reporting because they've been at home more. And we know that um, other healthcare health issues can arise from that. Mental health, of course, is very important. So if you're not hearing well, that can lead to other things. So we know it's super important to do that and we're doing the best we can with the circumstances that we have to make everything as safe as possible you mentioned tinnitus yes and something that we spoke a little bit about last time but yeah. so important for so many people some people call it tinnitus some people right. call it tinnitus you call it tinnitus, tinnitus. so we'll talk about it that way but <laughs> Let our audience know, um, refresh our memory about what it is and, and how we know when we have it. Exactly. Well, tinnitus is a sound or a noise that you hear that is not being generated by anything in your environment. Um, it can be anything from a ringing sound or tones or crickets or chirping or buzzing or humming. It can be music. It can be sounds, sounds like whispers. It can be any kind of sound that you hear just as clearly as though it was coming from your environment, but it's not. And it can be a symptom of something else. So it could be a symptom of hearing loss, which is why um, when people have it, we always wanna do a hearing test to find out, you know, what is your auditory system doing? Do you have hearing loss? That could be why you have the tinnitus. Um, it can be a symptom of other things, noise exposure, other health conditions, stress, anxiety, all those things. So it's very important that if you have it, we need to find out, one, how debilitating is it? Is it mild or is it catastrophic or is it somewhere in between? So there's a lot of tools that we can do to assess for that, to find out you know, how we can best help you. Do you need medical treatment? Sometimes we need to find out, is there something medically contributing to it? And we need to have you see another medical a professional to rule some things out. Um, but, you know, 50 million plus people have it. Most people have it in the mild, uh, moderate category. So it's something that isn't necessarily, um, you know, causing them to lose sleep or um, contributing to other, you know, anxiety or other types of, of serious, um, you know, thought processes. Um, it's managed. And a lot of times audiologists, we can manage it um, through the use of sound therapy, sometimes hearing aids or sometimes other sound sources. I'm just curious, does everybody here know somebody who has had tinnitus? Tinnitus. Yes, I see the shaking of heads. Yeah. Uh, I just read about people hearing music through their fillings and that sort of thing. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> That, that's something related, but and that can be due to the metal or whatever composition is in your filling <laughs> that can pick up radio frequencies. <laughs> um, also be due to, you know, psychotic hallucinations or, or to, I mean, as long as we're 
we're going there. But most commonly, it's the ringing in the ear. Mm -hmm. And it's bothersome to some people. And Dr. Christie has talked about the fact that there are actual treatments for it. And of course, being a musician, he has more than the average amount of tricks up her sleeve. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'd like to ask my question about uh, getting my husband into you for a test. Sure. Very, very resistant. Uh, in our relationship, uh, I can start a sentence. I can be looking at him or not. And he misses the first part of that sentence. Sure. Of course <laughs> Is that deliberately, Marla? <laughs> <laughs> we, we talk about that, you know, uh, but once I really, you know, I, 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 I'm tempted at times to grab his face like you do a child. Yes. Yeah. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. Right. But Get his attention. After a while, he picks up, but it has to be repeated. Yeah, absolutely. So has he ever had a hearing test or met with an audience? Not that you know of. Okay. Well, that's the first step. Uh, sometimes the first step at getting someone to, to do something like that, that's a big step, by the way. Um, you know, one of the things that we always encourage people in our clinic is do a consultation with one of us. Um, we offer consultations where we will sit down and meet with you and talk about your specific communication needs um, for 30 minutes. We do that complimentary because we feel that that's a very important for us to get to know one another, to make sure that that we're a good fit for each other, right? And um, and we can do those telehealth now too. Um, that's one of the things we've implemented during this COVID thing is we've done um, a lot more telehealth type appointments um, so we can meet with each other face-to-face -face, like you and I are doing right now on this Zoom call and, um, and talk about your needs and lifestyle and what um, the options are um, going forward, kind of make it, you know, something that, Here's why you may want to consider having a hearing test. Here's why the benefits of treating hearing loss if you have it um, and why this is so important. And so we can definitely um, do that as a good first step for him. Uh, the, when yeah, I, had... I just want to follow up on that in one little second. What about from a psychological perspective, Dr. Mm -hmm. Andrea? How, how can a spouse encourage or invite her um, other, her significant other to come to something like that. I think you must have been reading my mind because <laughs> I, was, I was right there. Feel like you know I must have had a printout saying. Well, I wonder if Marla should be you know be able to be there with her husband if that would make him feel less um, uncomfortable or more uncomfortable. I mean that's something I that I think more uncomfortable. He's a very proud man, and I think that. Uh, what I see with Dr. Moore is that she's a lovely blonde. Now that might be the kicker that gets it. Well, that is a, that's very much me because it's a transfer of trust. Right. For you to say, I met somebody who I really, I really trust, and I think that you'll find very easy to speak to. And now we don't even have to go into an right. office. We can right. just call her up on the picture phone. And right. you know, like the World's Fair 1964, they had picture phones. And the yeah. picture phone! <laughs> and have a conversation. I think he has done a telehealth um, uh, with his primary care doctor. Yeah. So, I think that takes some of the um, embarrassment. Absolutely. And 
it's, it's, it's still not necessarily committing, you know, it's just, it's just learning some information. It's, it's having a conversation with someone who, you know, my job is to assess people's hearing and therefore diagnose it and then provide options, which sometimes means that, yeah, we're going to recommend hearing aids. We're going to recommend assistive devices. Um, we're going to recommend some auditory training, some things like that, um, things that you can do. And here's why um, that's important. Absolutely. He had a stroke in 2013. Okay. Um, I think that it took a while for all of these symptoms to kind of kick in. They didn't right away. Absolutely. And that can definitely, as we know, the stroke can do different things and affect different parts of the brain and the body and the neurological system. And so um, the brain has to reorganize and figure out what to do with the parts that don't work as well anymore when you have a stroke. And sometimes that means that hearing loss can become more um, prevalent because other parts of the brain are having to take over and reorganize to take care of the areas that are no longer able to work as well. Thank you, ladies. That's good. You know, hearing is a part of overall health. And sometimes, because hearing is can be so stigmatized because of hearing aids, et cetera, we isolate it and we think of hearing as being separate from our overall mental and physical health. But it is integral to every part of it. Right. And so that's another approach, Marla, is that, you know, it's an overall health issue. That's right. a that's a very, very good idea. Uh, I really appreciate all of this. Now, ladies, ladies we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about insurance, whether insurance is, is, is Medicare covers covers this or not. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We take a brief break. Okay, welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. We're here with the wonderful Dr. Christine Moore and our two guests, Marla and Barb. And we're talking about the continuum of care that this very talented audiologist can provide. Everything from testing on the one hand all the way to consultation or integration with surgery. Um, because all those different things can go wrong um, so tell us about that continuum of care, Dr. Moore. Sure. So, um, so as far as what we do in our practice, like I said, we um, provide, usually a first step is to provide a consultation or an initial hearing test. And with a consultation, we can talk about, you know, what, what questions you might have about your hearing, about tinnitus, about cochlear implants, things like that. And then from there, we can uh, decide how we're going to, um, what we're going to do next. Usually, a hearing test is one of the things that we do for, for just about every patient with no matter what we're going to do as far as our treatment. So a hearing test tells us exactly how you're hearing or, or how you're not hearing. And then that can help us determine what method of treatment is going to be the best for you, um, whether that's going to be hearing aids, whether that's going to be assistive devices, um, whether that's going to be accessories that go with your hearing aids um, or assistive devices, whether that's going to be just auditory training, um, just helping you to maximize communication, um, whether that's going to be some tinnitus management um, therapies and 
um, all the way to if your hearing is more severe and hearing aids are no longer providing you adequate benefit. Is a cochlear implant something that is going to be, um, you know, needed for you and going to help you with that? So um, all aspects of, of audiology care, not everything is covered by insurance. Um, hearing aid testing or hearing testing, um, diagnostic testing is covered by Medicare and most insurances. Medicare does require an order or a referral from a patient's primary care physician in order for us to establish medical necessity for that exam. Um, hearing aids are something that are not covered by traditional Medicare. However, some private insurances, some federal insurances, and some Medicare Advantage plans may have a benefit or discount program available um, for hearing aids and their services. So that's something that our insurance specialist um, can verify that particular benefit for you um, when you provide your insurance information to us uh, before the appointment. Um, some tinnitus testing is included, but some of the management techniques may not be. Those may be out of pocket. Um, cochlear implants are something that, again, is covered by insurance. The surgery is covered, the devices are covered, the programming and testing is covered. Um, some of the other appointments, if we're troubleshooting, providing education, some of those things are going to be out of pocket. So it kind of depends on what audiology or hearing services you're looking for um, as to whether or not that's going to be covered by insurance or whether it's going to be something that's going to be um, patient responsibility or out of pocket. How frequently um, would you advise, you know, a regular healthy individual to have her hearing or his hearing checked? Right. I think it's important for a person to have their hearing tested every year, just like you get an eye exam every year, just like once you're 40, you get a breast exam every year or mammogram. Um, those are all very, very important um, aspects that we can catch um, and monitor hearing, especially on an annual basis, just like when you go to the eye doctor and you have your uh, vision assessed to see if there's been any changes, if you need to get um, an update on your prescription. Um, by having annual hearing tests, if you are already wearing hearing aids, we can make sure that if there are changes, we can program and adjust those hearing aids to adapt to those changes in your prescription for that purpose. Um, I always say, you know, once a person reaches the age of 50, you should um, have your baseline hearing test if you haven't had one before. So 50, 50 is a good age to start getting your hearing tested on a regular basis. Um, and then, you know, once, once hearing loss is identified or once your needs are identified where hearing devices or personal sound amplifiers or other ways of, of helping your communication are needed, then we've already established that baseline and we can start that process um, at a much earlier age. Is it easier to start when there's just a little bit of damage than waiting for all of a sudden somebody to drag their spouse in? Yes. And bring it to you and say, what's going on here? Because right. I would imagine, like you talk about um, the uh, rehabilitation process. Absolutely. Like when you were talking to Barb during our last session yes. and saying that's so good that you really didn't let a big gap grow there because Correct. you've already trained, you know, trained your brain to compensate for the losses. So right. even though she feels that she's got a, a heavy loss, she's also not really allowed that to exacerbate itself. That's exactly right. It goes right along with kind of what we talk about. Um, and I'm sure this is a term you're very familiar with neuroplasticity in the brain. 
And so the sooner that hearing loss is identified um, and the sooner we start treatment um, by giving some even just mild low levels of amplification to help the brain recognize those sounds sooner um, so that that processing ability is continuing. So speech does not become degraded so the brain doesn't forget what an S sounds like or a P sounds like or something like that. Um, so that's why it's really important that if we, can, if we can address hearing loss sooner when it's more mild, the better we're going to do later on down 10, 20 years from now when it does become more moderate or even severe. That foundation has already been set um, because your brain's already used to getting that aid or that guidance from those hearing devices and is allowing um, those sounds to continue on. You don't have as much uh, forgetting of what sound is. So, so what you need to do is just have this set recording for the last two minutes that you talked, and then Marla will use it to bring her husband in, and all of <laughs> it will have great success with those words. Right. <laughs> well, that's why this is such a beautiful opportunity for you to bring out the educator in you. My own particular um, thinking about it is that it's a real strength of yours, sure. and COVID and the misfortunes therein um, actually brought that forward in having to do those telemedicine sessions. Yes. Where your beautiful voice and your just wonderful teaching style <laughs> is very engaging. It, and it, it does help, help customers, clients, patients connect with you as, right. an, as a practitioner. You right. know, it's important to have that connection. We all know that the nature of the connection with the medical provider, with the service provider, is it really um, portends the outcome. That's exactly and for right. their good outcome. You need to have that rapport. So I love that we get a chance to see that in action, Dr. Christine. I, I have a Thank question you. about the referral. Most doctors have their networks that they refer to. Sure. Is it okay to call the doctor and say, we need a referral to you? Absolutely. In fact, for Medicare, um, Medicare kind of frowns on medical practices calling up doctor practice, doctor's practices and saying, hey, send a referral to us. <laughs> they call that solicitation. So uh, solicitation of a referral, and they don't like that. So we always tell, um, we always tell the potential patient or prospect that, um, yeah, if you want to come to us, um, you need to be the one to talk to, to initiate that call with your primary care physician and say, I, I'm having difficulty hearing and I need, a hear I need a referral for a hearing test. Once you have made that call, then our office can then follow up with your physician's office because that initial um, contact has already been made. And then if we aren't receiving it in time for your appointment, we can follow up and we can say, hey, we need that referral. Just a reminder, please send it to us. Here's our fax. Here's our email, whatever we need to do. Exactly. Amazing. And I just want to say that if any information is, is missing for any of our listeners, please refer back to the first time we interviewed Dr. Christy Moore, which was January 16th of 2020. Me and there's a lot more information just in case we don't we don't get to all of it today. <laughs> and also we want to ask you, Dr. Christie, uh, tell us where people can find you, how they can find you, where are you in this planet? 
<laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, so the name of my practice is Sonora Hearing Care, and the website address is www.sonorahearingcaretucson.com, all one very long word. <laughs> um, we are on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, um, you can search for Sonora Hearing Care. We have our Facebook page. We have a presence on Twitter as well. Um, we also are available by email, um, which is my personal email address. And that is my first name, Christy, spelled C-R-I-S as in Sam, T-I, at S-H-C-Tucson.com. And that sends it directly to me. I check that email very frequently. So those are ways that you can contact us. We are located um, on the, essentially at the cross streets of Grant and Craycroft at 5625 East Grant Road. And our phone number is 520-881-8740. Excellent. Excellent. We love having all that information for our listeners. Dr. Christie, can you talk about, you know, you talked about the brain and the effect of hearing loss on the brain. Can you talk about other, any other effect it may have in the relationship to sinus issues, the relationship to, you know, just kind of some of the common things that we deal with? Absolutely. So, you know, ear, ear or hearing related um, issues can be also uh, symptoms or causes of other medical things. So if you have sinus congestion, that can definitely affect how you're hearing because our sinuses um, are connected to our ear cavities, um, eustachian tubes, which run in the back of our throat and into our middle ear space. And then also our sinus cavities can be interconnected with all of that as well. So if you're having some congestion in your nose or sinuses, or um, it can definitely affect your ears too. So those can definitely be, be things that can affect that as well. Um, people have said to you, you know, vision is also a very important um, sense as well. And so if you've got things going on with vision, sometimes that can affect, you know, how you perceive hearing as well. Um, if you have any balance issues, in other words, um, you know, you have issues with your knees, with your joints, stuff like that, um, you know, that can affect um, how you may perceive hearing too, as well, because any time that your body is out of alignment or not doing well, um, that can affect other parts of, of your body too, including hearing imbalance. You know, it kind of goes back to my belief, because I've been a medical professional for a lot of years, that you know, we really are one integrated um, organism. And, yeah. You know, everything affects everything, right? That's right. So just to, to add one more element of integration, the psychology of not being able to hear, of not being able to really refine communication um, socially can result in isolation and feelings of depression, um, wonderment on the, on the part of friends and family, yeah. sometimes even anger and agitation when people don't truly understand. We would like to thank Dr. Christy Moore for spending this time with us and giving us all of this very important information about our, our 
our hearing and how important it is to have it checked once a year. Dr. Christie, thank you so very much. Ladies, thank you for joining and, and adding your questions to this very important conversation. This program has been underwritten by Sonora Hearing Care. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.